0: Hello, Hellions. It is Tiffany here. It's another What the Hell Wednesday. And as you know, we have been recording every other week during quarantine. So we wanted to let you know this episode was recorded before yet another heinous act of police brutality and murder of an unarmed black man in police custody, George Floyd. So, as far as topics go, the satanic panic of the 1980s is not the most timely. And we wanted to acknowledge that. In this episode, we commentate on a period of deep injustice from more than three decades ago, and we're living in another one right now. But it's not new, and it's a period of hundreds upon hundreds of years, and it's just getting the attention it deserves again. This has got to be the time that something gives. We want to encourage you to amplify Black voices, to listen, to learn, and for a lot of us to unlearn the ways we have been complicit in racism especially against the black community to have the hard conversations and to be a part of the positive, inclusive, unfearful change our country needs. Thank you for listening. And you can check out the show notes this week for some ways we can put our money where our mouths are. Black lives matter.
1: Brittany. Tiffany. I don't know why I had to say your name like it was a question. (laughs) Like, like I wasn't sure who you are. We made it to episode 21. We
2: are officially of legal age. That's exactly it. We are, we're legal.
1: And here we are. We have been recording separately since I think episode 14.
2: Wow. We're gonna hit a point where we've done more not together than we have together
1: I know it's something else and we kept being
2: like we're gonna put this off these deep topics because we want to be together and then they're gonna be like your whole freaking podcast has been you guys not
1: together so I know what if we like decide like okay we can come back to regular life and we're like "Mm, we're just gonna keep the podcast like this (laughs) this (laughs) is how we do it we don't care what you do this is what we do yeah Um, no, I, I I cannot wait until we're in the same room, but until then. Until then. Yeah. This is us here. Well, this week we're chatting about again a little bit in a way about our childhoods. Yeah. Yeah, not that we were necessarily in the trenches of our topic today, but we were adjacent to.
2: Yes, we were born in the in the decade in which this became very popular. Or ish. I mean, parts of it became rampant in the decade we were born, which is
1: in the 80s. Right. And so what we're talking about this week is satanic panic.
2: Dun, dun, dun,
0: dun. Yeah. Satanic panic.
1: (laughs) 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 I love that so much. Well, the the thing about it is every time I hear that phrase, it's like kind of how I hear it in my head. Mm -hmm. It's like the actual devil saying it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like from Hell's,
2: or I was gonna say Hell's Kitchen. Nope. Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Yes. And if you know oh what gosh. I'm talking about, welcome to the club, yes. y'all. If, if,
1: if you know, you know. <laughs> and if you don't
2: know, now you know that you it's know. a human video kind of musical. That's what it is.
1: <laughs> it totally, it, like a, mu- yeah, I don't know if we would call it a musical, but. <laughs> <laughs> There's, There's like singing involved, There is. Well, maybe it's more like on the operatic side of things. Sure. Like, uh, I don't know. Musical just sounds so nice.
2: <laughs> yeah. I put it first. I said human video musical. So it's just terrible. That's true.
1: <laughs> That's true. Satanic panic. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing. And there's the thing is, we're far enough away from that time in the 80s into the 90s that now is the time that people are talking about it again because we're far enough removed. Yeah, that makes sense. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So now people are like researching it and they're looking back on it and they're like that was kind of whack. Yeah. If you know, you really want to be honest about it That's and having it a little more perspective.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of so- whack. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's, like, people still in prison over satanic panic, and we're, like, these two, like, entitled women sitting at home yep. on our Apple devices talking about how whack that was. Yep. That's,
2: that's so, us. Welcome to What the Hell.
1: <laughs> welcome. What the hell is up with people like us commenting on things like this? So, let us answer that question yeah. for you. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot of content out there about this. There's actually some amazing podcasts right now that we'll touch on, and also some like tv content whatever netflix things like that that um really go into this deeply and you can learn a lot like if you're looking to learn about satanic panic they will hook you up yes but if you want to hear about it from the perspectives of two now women but little girls who grew up you know being in the evangelical Christian world with my dad being a pastor, Brittany's dad being a pastor and a missionary. Um, that's what we're going to talk about: is what it was like and our perspectives and experiences living as children during the Satanic Panic, very much as Christians.
2: Yeah, and not realizing that that was even happening at the time. Not realizing at all. now, looking back and going, "Oh, is this is this the reason why I couldn't do this?" Or what you know, yes. all of the times where. We were told we couldn't watch this or couldn't do that without reasoning. Maybe it was all, it all came from and stemmed from the satanic panic era.
1: Absolutely. So we're definitely going to hit on all that like juicy goodness. Uh, Wasn't allowed to watch the Smurfs. Spoiler alert. Yeah. We'll get into it. Okay. Oh my gosh. Josh cannot believe that. It like breaks his heart. Yeah. But we should tell you if you don't even know what this term is, like Brittany said a minute ago, you're probably like living under a rock. Yeah. But did you say that? I feel like I heard you say that.
2: <laughs> I don't know if I said that. I don't know if I said you were living okay. under a rock, but sure.
1: Well, then you've here been I am putting words in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> just putting words in your mouth over here. Sorry about that. But I just felt like your spirit was that having said that. It makes sense. It makes sense I would say that. It does. So do you want to give a rundown of kind of the overview of sure. the satanic panic? Yeah. So basically, um,
2: we're gonna. I'm just going to read you off um, a kind of general definition from Wikipedia. I'm going to give you two different things, because basically, if you look up satanic panic, you don't get a lot of specific definitions for that term. It tends to come up with things like satanic ritual abuse, which is what is going to come up in some of what we're going to talk about. But from Wikipedia, it says satanic ritual abuse was the subject of a moral panic that originated in the United States in the 1980s, uh, spreading throughout many parts of the world by the late 1990s. Allegations of uh, satanic ritual abuse involved reports of physical and sexual abuse of people in the context of occult or satanic rituals. There was also an American sociologist named Jeffrey Victor and... He kind of explained it, I feel like it makes a little more sense, but said that the satanic cult stories, or satanic panic, as we're kind of going to talk about, was sort of a response to a widespread socioeconomic stress in that era, uh, Era, um, particularly those affected, like it affected parenting, family relationships. And basically, it was, there was so much, so much social change happening at that time that allegations and things rapidly started happening and it was just like a cause of deep cultural crises of values and authority. So Mm -hmm. it was just kind of a culmination of a lot of things happening all at one time and a lot of it piggybacking on one another.
1: Right. Until it becomes like almost unrecognizable. So, I mean, yeah, like just look at history in general, just in the United States alone, the 1960s becomes, you know, it's like this anti-war you know, free love situation mm-hmm. going into the 70s is, you know, drugs and LSD and mushrooms and like opening your mind to all this kind of stuff. And then you get into the 80s and, you know, latchkey kids are such a thing. But that's also when around around the 70s and 80s, when it became clear that children are not always safe with adults. Mm. And, you know, like, kidnappings and rapes and serial forms of abuse became like, oh, my God, like, this can happen to anyone anytime, not just their kids, but my kids. Yeah. And, And it was happening, too. And people began to be prosecuted for it. So it was a lot of things culminating at once, like you said. And um, things getting grouped together that not shouldn't necessarily have been grouped together. Yeah. So it's interesting because cults are real. Yes. Sexual abuse is real. Mm-hmm. But did they actually have cases where they were finding that like satanic cults were like ritualis- ritualistically abusing children or anyone? No. Yeah. But they were putting them together in such a way that everybody was like freaking out about it and accusations were flying and people were put in prison and there was a like really a major cultural shift, I think. Yes. In terms of how like children are allowed to interact with adults. From our perspective anyway, we'll get into this a lot more too, but we were so submerged in the Christian world. Satanic panic was really, it was not just like a Christian thing.
2: Yeah.
1: It was, you know, the secular world, which is, it's funny because the word secular is like only something Christians use. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> preach.
1: <laughs> you know, like secular people are not using the word secular. They're no. like, we're just people. We're just normal people. <laughs> yep. Satanic panic, I don't know when that got coined it got coined in the 80s right
2: uh sure I don't know when the actual term satanic panic was coined but that would make
1: sense that it was
2: I don't know if that's something that after the fact looking back people defined it as that or if people actually said it then I don't know
1: I don't know either but I definitely know that it wasn't something that like my family or churches or anything was acknowledging in such like a trite kind of like flippant almost funny way
2: yeah I also did not um, hear this term at all growing up, and I feel like, I mean, obviously we heard satanic, just that word, but satanic panic, I feel like that would imply that we should actually be panicking about Satan, and if you're a Christian and covered by the love of Jesus or the blood of Jesus, that you should not be panicking, so I never heard that term at all until pretty recently. I feel like a few years ago, just listening to podcasts and just starting to hear, like, somebody else's perspective of things that I'm like, oh, I I remember some of this, but I didn't hear this perspective about it, you know? Totally.
1: And I think, too, like, you know, with us growing up so evangelical is, like, it, it wasn't a satanic panic. It was, like, the forces of good and evil, and we were living in the middle of it, and we need to be on the side of good, and we need to recognize what is satanic.
2: Yeah, no, that's very and
1: true. And depart from it. Yeah. The funny thing about it is, like, for me at least, I feel like I don't so much remember... Everyone being up in arms that, like, something satanic was happening. I feel like the satanic panic had something to do, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think it probably had something to do with the whole revival culture mm-hmm. that really busted out in the late 80s and, like, early 90s. Because I feel like the church, especially the American church, was trying to fight against this, like, force of evil that was taking over, you know, our children, our youth, and yes. clearly the adults.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it feels like looking back on like where did this come from, because I remember thinking, you know, I grew up in South Africa and we didn't. I didn't go to South Africa till I was eight, and until up until that point, I wasn't allowed to watch certain Disney movies, like things that had. I'm trying to think, like Sleeping Beauty. They didn't want me to yeah. watch. Um, but then other ones were fine. So I feel like it was this kind of weird gray area. Wasn't allowed to watch the Smurfs and a couple other things that like even Brittany at say six, seven years old was confused about. I don't know if I would have outwardly asked, but I definitely internally was like, why? I always wanted to know why. And like what? Why like why was I not allowed to? Like what's wrong? Like what's wrong oh, yeah. with it? And then I remember when we moved to South Africa, there just being such a prevalent, just a, a much more spiritual awareness in African culture. And so things like somebody being possessed or a demonic fill in the blank was a very common term to use growing up. And so I think yeah. there were things that my parents were probably leaning on one side or the other. And then growing up there, it just sort of enhanced it. Cause I remember when Harry Potter first came out and this was like, I must've been in high school or junior high. I don't remember when mm-hmm. the first uh, movie came out and there was like, my whole school was going to go see it at the theater because we had a smaller school and like, a bunch of the moms in the church were like, we will not let our kids watch this. Oh, it's yeah. of the, the devil. And, like, I think at the time, like, my dad would have totally let me watch it. But my mom was like, well, I, we want to kind of do what all the other support, what it, all the other moms were doing. And so yeah. I also stayed home and a bunch of us didn't go. So there was a lot of those moments where I'm like, where like, where was this coming from? Was it from a fear that developed while you were raising small children and all of this panicking was happening and that influenced your like parenting decisions. I don't know.
1: Right. Um, for me as a kid, I absolutely asked. I feel like I always, as a whole, I would ask the question. I just got very few answers. Um, but for this one, you know, like, why am I not allowed to watch The Little Mermaid? But I was allowed to watch Beauty and the Beast. Um you and can I think watch
2: Little Mermaid.
1: Uh-uh. And the reason why, and my mom answered me and she was like, It's evil. She like the magic in it is evil. Magic growing up for me was completely evil unless it was in the realm of like Ronald McDonald. That was fine. Sure. Like, you know, because that was like, oh, it's just like a a trick, you know, versus yeah, like what Ursula is doing in The Little Mermaid is she is using magic for for evil and therefore she is evil. And the thing about that is it's not even a bad argument. (laughs)
2: No, it's not. It's not a bad argument. I was allowed to watch... And that's the thing that would mess me up is I'm like, so Sleeping Beauty, not okay. I watched Little Mermaid till it, I was like, and for I for me it, was opposite. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch um, Little Mermaid, but I could watch Sleeping Beauty. And you know what it was, Brittany – It was whatever the Lord impressed upon their spirits at that time (laughs) about whether or not we were allowed to watch it. And I think that that's something, whether you're religious or you're not, that as a parent, you do have to make those decisions. And sometimes it's tough and it's hard. But like, man, Little Mermaid's freaking good. It is And I snuck watching it. I snuck watching it and it was so good and I didn't get to see it so many times and then when I was older she didn't care anymore and I got to watch it but um anytime it my mom perceived it as evil magic I wasn't allowed to watch it
2: interesting yeah
1: interesting. so I never saw and here's the thing like I could be wrong about this was gremlins evil I wasn't allowed to see like gremlins I never saw that no smurfs I wasn't allowed to watch scooby-doo that one really messes up josh
2: I wasn't allowed to watch that either until I think later on I think my i re- i don't know i would attribute it to my dad because he was always the one that was a little more lenient with this stuff but like right. he would let things go more but yeah i wasn't allowed to watch that either it was like and right. even up until like that same whatever reasoning um continued all the way through high school like even when you would think maybe they would have loosened up things like okay in south africa we didn't have like later when they were when when I was out of the house they had like satellite TV where we got more than three channels but growing up I literally had like three channels and so I watched a lot of shitty television because so it was the only thing on it was either like not in English or it was like Ricky Lake and I watched a yeah. lot of Ricky Lake or like for some reason Sabrina the Teenage Witch they would play on like uh. repeat and I hit a point I remember when I was in high school and I just was like I'm gonna watch this and it did my mom didn't like it but I was kind of like. What Like, what else am I going to watch? All oh, of our VHS great. tapes that I've seen since I was 10? Like, I'm done watching those. So... Oh, it was such a cute show, too. I, I know, and that's the thing, is, like, it was not demonic or satanic or whatever, but I don't
1: know. I know. But yeah. the idea of witch, like, there, you know, there's no, like, there's very few positive connotations for the idea of a witch until time's, like... Sabrina, the teenage witch, came along, and uh, like Harry Potter came along. And, yeah. you know, like there's, I remember, <laughs> I remember having like a youth pastor who was pretty liberal, and he did like a whole series on um, like juxtaposing harry potter against like jesus in the bible and made all these arguments about how like harry is the same whatever like hero is jesus and i'm like (laughs) yeah it's called the hero's journey and it's like one of six storylines that exists like (laughs) harry's not special just kidding harry is totally special yeah uh but he was just like this novel thing and i think it was his way of trying to like fight against like idiocy among like evangelical (laughs) parents um but I think the whole point in saying all of this quite interesting information about what we were and we're not allowed to watch as children is what it really was was our our parents wanting to protect us from evil yeah and there was a climate during the time in the late 80s and 90s of evil that like people are worshiping the devil and they're using their devilish influence <laughs> to abuse, harm and brainwash if not also sexually abuse children. Yeah. So, with that kind of news coming out of like California, coming out of Canada, coming out of Florida where I was living, um, you know, you're you have a lot of family in Florida. Coming out of all these places, you know, it's no surprise that our parents, wow, I'm having a moment of empathy for my parent, my mom. <laughs> She would be amazed. Uh, I'm such a punk, you know, I'm the youngest of four, so I get to, like, speak my mind, and I'm rude. Yeah,
2: but it makes sense. I think it's a good thing we notice, I mean, side note, but, like, in our, the older we get, and then you start to look at the perspective and try to put yourself in your parents' shoes, and it's easy to look back and be like, what the hell were you doing? Like, why did you make those choices? And I still do feel that way to a degree, but then when you try to think of, like, they were in a certain box in a certain area, and this is what they were told to be true. I mean, not, I'm not going to compare satanic panic to coronavirus, but if I were, (laughs) I feel like you just look at what's happening today is, what, March, March, I keep saying this, May 27th, Mm. and depending on who I want to be friends with on Facebook, I can see all sorts of crap about whether masks are stupid, and, like, no, every physician I know says don't wear masks, and then you go to the other side, and it's, like, if you would all just wear masks and be respectful, and, like, whatever, I could go on that a tangent for days, but I think about that if you were to go to the 80s, and it was a time where they Mm -hmm. didn't have social media, and, like, honestly, things like the media was just starting to kind of pick up and be more prevalent, and, like, obviously, the media's always been around, but just, like, access to those things... So, I mean, kind of it kind of makes sense where, like, I mean, you are like, we didn't know any better, but there's still repercussions yeah. to that, so yeah,
1: and it's so funny too, like so many things are coming to my mind right now as we talk about this, like you know in, in the journalistic standards have always existed, but I really feel like in the eighties and nineties, like they did not care, yeah, like it was such a time of even like talking about like you mentioned things like Ricky Lake and You know, there's Jenny Jones and all these different things. They're, like, real shows, real things that are happening, but there was no standard of, like ethics and things like that and it's funny because I feel like it's come full circle I feel like we had a good run in the like early aughts and 2000s mm-hmm. of like people trying to like really like serve the news properly and now we're back into it really I hate even the term I'm not going to use it because I hate the term so much but there is so much incorrect news being disseminated out there now um and were I, gonna use I the don't F-word? I will I will not use it Brittany <laughs> And
2: she
1: doesn't mean fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. Uh, but it's it just like false. False yeah. news exists out there. And I almost am having a second moment of empathy for my family because they've never, they you know, they were parenting in the 80s and 90s. And took it for granted that everything had, like, journalistic integrity when it really didn't. So why would things now not have journalistic integrity when they have always thought that it did? Yeah. So I feel sense. like it's almost easier for them to share false news, <laughs> fuck news, <laughs> because they've always trusted it. Yeah. Whereas we were raised to not trust it unless you have, like, three sources saying the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, like, reputable sources. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a bit of a tangent, but I think it's that thing of, like you know, the news is coming out saying there's a satanic cult down the street and they've abused all the children in this daycare and your, you know, family going, well, my local newspaper says it and the New York Times says it. It must be true.
2: Yeah. I think that's a good point to maybe even mention, um, like part of this whole conversation stems from obviously growing up a certain way, but also we both, uh, recently listened to a podcast called Uncover, and they do an amazing job of going in depth of basically talking about a couple specific cases that really spearheaded, I would say. I don't know if it was like the original case, to be honest. I'd have to go back and listen. But, um, a, but huge pieces of this whole satanic panic thing. You want to maybe explain like what the Uncover podcast kind of ex-
1: talked about? Totally. So in the podcast, they highlight really like... There's really two stories, and they kind of hit on like another one, like a third and a fourth, um, of the beginning of the Satanic Panic time, and they talk about it really originated in Canada, which yeah. I didn't know until I didn't listening know to this podcast. Yeah, I thought it originated out of Manhattan Beach here in, that's really that's what Los I thought Angeles. too. Mm-hmm. It's just south of south of the south of Los Angeles. Um, so that story though, just to talk on that one which is really a pretty well-known story. There was a daycare in Manhattan Beach where there was a reputable report of a child being abused at a daycare. Um and then it snowballed in such a way that the information was shared with the parents, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but the information was shared with the parents and not, and it wasn't well done. And the parents started to ask the children leading questions um, related to these specific people who were under suspicion. Yeah. And they started really planting imaginative ideas in all of these children's minds um, and linking it with the occult and with. Satan yeah. and devil worship and all these different things, which it completely was not. And uh if my memory serves me, they had like dozens of accusations. Yes. And yeah. in the end, only two went through. Like only two convictions went through out of all of this um accusations. And it was because they were unfounded and they had no evidence to support it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And um that's one story. But then they talked about another story, which of all places was set in Stuart, Florida, in 1988. And that's where I was born, Brittany. That's crazy. It's so bizarre. And I didn't even know that until listening to this podcast that that whole beach area, which Stuart is just a bit north of uh, Miami. And I can't say the word Stuart without... Do you know that Mad TV sketch?
2: I'm sure, sure I do No, I don't know. Oh, if God. Mad TV, this is... You want to play another game of uh, Brittany doesn't know (laughs) pop culture. That would be mad TV.
1: (laughs) You are 0 for 1. Yeah. Well, some of y'all know what I'm talking about with that Stewart sketch. It's so funny. Uh, I'll send it to you later. Okay. I wonder if it's still funny. It was really funny back then in like the early 2000s. (laughs) But I was born in this little beach town. And apparently I had no idea, like I said, until I listened to this, that it was one of the hubs of satanic panic. People were freaking out down there. And again, there was a young girl who there was reason to believe that she had been abused, but a lot of her memories about it may or may not have been planted in in such a way that she's not even sure now as an adult if it actually happened. Um, And there are people in prison for these things when it's completely based on hearsay. But
2: where does the satanic part of it come from? Is it, because that's what I'm trying to remember, is that basically all these accusations happened and I can't remember, I feel like if I'm going to talk about this, I should remember, but.
1: I felt like that was always kind of unclear, though, is that the grouping of it together was never very obvious.
2: No, I agree. I thought that there was somebody, like, somebody put something in someone's ear, like, in the police force or something about a group coming into town and, like, like there was a couple different things in different towns where somebody would think that people were satanic worshipers were coming into town are going to like attack the town. So they like almost militarized themselves. Um, and then nothing would happen. And so there was like all these little inklings that started happening that spread throughout, you know, the United States and Canada. Yeah. And so they started putting these things together and, and saying that basically these preschool workers or people who were being accused were all a part of this like cult. And this would make sense because of what the accounts of all the different children were saying of things like they made us drink blood or they drank blood or just like weird stuff that wouldn't make sense. And like, why would anybody say that? And nobody really could put a finger on it of like where it came from and why it was there. And then um, I have this further down here, but I can just touch on it. Um, But basically there was this book that came out by Lawrence Pazder which I think is ironic that his name sounds like Pastor, but I will move on from Ooh. that. I, like I, when I typed it, I was like, this is very interesting. Um, but it's basically the, the book called Michelle Remembers. And it caused a lot of problems because basically it was, he was this, um, I don't know if he's psychologist or psycho- psychiatrist, psychologist.
1: I thought psychiatrist. He was a head doctor. He was
2: a head doctor. <laughs> yeah. One of those guys. And um, he wrote this book, that, this book that basically talked about Helping this woman, uh, this girl named Michelle recover repressed memories of, of her being abused and like and it having to do with satanic cults. And basically it became this huge book that like hit the charts. Everybody was reading it, um, got a huge book deal. All of the things that she remembers or that he helped her remember, there was no evidence or and no witnesses, or nothing to substantiate her account but it was like presented as if it was this true story. Then that book was, because it was so huge, it became this like almost manual for training people. And it was used in different like judicial
1: situations. Yeah. Like they were teaching cops, like,
2: you yeah. know, this
1: is how you handle this type of case that doesn't
0: exist.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, it was just like the snowball effect, which I feel like we could probably understand in this day and age with social media. It's like one person says, you know, Trump says one thing, and, you know, if whatever side you're on, it can get spun a certain way and then it just like explodes. It's kind of what it sounds like happened at that time. And, and they were just maybe at that time people were just looking for a reason to understand why
1: things yeah. were happening, you know? Yeah. And I think and even and I will say Uncover is such a well done podcast, but I think it's unbelievable. You really should listen to it. But I think that that is still what's so hard about this stuff is that it's it's still hard to put a finger on like the beginning yeah. of the exact why of why like the ritual abuse got linked with abuse at all yeah you know yeah like why it like you can't you don't even come out of the podcast almost being like here's the one sentence of like how it began totally. because it just was so nonsensical I think we did a pretty good job just now Brittany of explaining how little we know about satanic panic.
2: Yeah, I think it's a it's a great <laughs> because it's just how like we know, we know what one. how. And it's, and I feel like people just decided like, oh, we're going with this. Okay. yes great. And then you're exactly. like, okay.
1: <laughs> and then you start seeing something that um, was never there, but you start seeing something because you're already looking for it. Exactly. So I think that's where it came into play, which I think is so cool. My favorite episode of Uncovered, did you listen to the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My favorite episode was the last bonus episode that was all about backmasking Oh yes. Um, which I didn't even know that was the term for it until now. So I feel very cool. I was able to, my boyfriend's a musician and I was able to go in there and be like, So did you know about back masking in the nineteen eighties? Blah blah blah. <laughs> and he's like, How do you know what that is? And I'm like, Well, I always knew what it was, I just didn't know what it was called. Yeah, I didn't know. But it was back for it. Yeah exactly i i mean like it feels like there had to be one i just I, I probably would have called it like backtracking or yeah you know when you play a song backwards yeah I would just call the it demonic
2: that. version of the song that's what we right.
1: do in it <laughs> totally so if you don't know backmasking is you know all those like super cool songs where you would play it backwards and to play it backwards you would have to use like a record player back when because mm-hmm. once things became like almost a dvds like who remembers anything <laughs> cds yeah you couldn't like play that backwards anymore um because it's just a different medium yeah. i guess yeah <laughs> there wasn't a way to do it. So, i mean yeah there was yeah there wasn't a way to do it so when you would play something backwards people would hear things in the music whether or not it was intended so where a lot of this came from was people play things backwards Hear something decide what it said one of the one of the best ones is where the song said my sweet satan oh yeah backwards (laughs) but like and it totally does sound like that but only because i know it's supposed to sound like that exactly but then it became like a cultural thing and musicians started doing it on purpose which i think is so freaking cool yeah i love it
2: dropping some messages in the backwards like
1: it's yeah yeah It's so cool, and I love, (laughs) yes, totally, and I love that, like, they reference, like, Weird Al, and how he intentionally was backmasking to make fun of, man, that dude's a genius. Oh,
2: yes, he is. He, is a he
1: really is. He <laughs> really is a genius. But I think that's the thing is where you start looking for things that don't exist in places that doesn't exist. Um, and then there's those people out there, too. Like I said, people are doing it intentionally. But then there are those people who, like, screw it up for everybody. Like, this isn't even backmasking. But do you remember the whole um, controversy with the Lion King where he falls on the edge of the cliff and all of the... Um, What's it called? Like leaves go up into the air really quickly and they swirl around and the yes, word Yes, I remember this
2: part. Oh, I do remember is, this. I do remember yeah. this, yes. Oh, there was Brittany. all the subliminal messages, like Aladdin yes. had a penis that grew. Do you remember this? One? Oh, yeah.
1: I, all of that. And like on the cover, and some of these things are true though too, like there was one version of the cover of Little Mermaid that like part of the coral behind her absolutely is just like dicks. Yes, yes. It's so fun. I cannot tell you how many times I, we had like a VCR, how many times I tried to rewind and like watch uh, The Lion King in slow motion on my VCR to see the word sex. Oh, really? Like without getting caught. Like I needed to do it and not get caught. (laughs) Just to prove it was there. I've always been like, I've got to get to the bottom of this.
2: Yeah, no, I did the same. But yes, I definitely remember seeing those Crazy subliminal messages. Some of them, I'm like, did I? I feel like I didn't notice them until later when think the internet was a became a thing, and then it was like, all these things you would have never known, in all the different you know, uh Disney movies that we grew up watching right. that had these like erotic things in them or demonic things in them.
1: Right, and I think you know, at the same time, anytime something like this happens, you know, where we're afraid of something. Like you were even talking about the masks and stuff. There's going to always be a group of people who like latches onto these things. And I feel like goth, you know, goth culture came out of... It was these kids our age who were growing up and like, you know what... There is a satanic panic, and it's me. You know what I mean? Like, not that just because you're into goth, what you know, doesn't mean you're you're into Satan. But I knew kids who that absolutely was their thing. I think that like that goth culture and things like that started to come out of satanic panic too. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was like, oh, you think this thing exists? Well, you know, there's going to be a group of us who. Totally rally you against it. make it, it yeah, yeah, make yeah. it, r- make it real for you. You need to believe that this thing exists. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do that for you. We'll be that for you. Yeah. We'll make your parents scared
0: of us.
2: Yeah. It was like the Marilyn um, Manson yeah. and just like all kinds of things that came out of, Of it felt like it came out of that where it was just like these extreme things. And like, I mean, youth group, people, people wanting us to like burn CDs and like oh, just girl. get rid of music because like it was secular and satanic and like was going to influence your mind and make you want to do terrible things, which like now being an adult and also raising children, I don't understand like the power. Like I will say obviously music and things like that are very powerful. Your peers are very powerful, but like I, to think that somebody's going to listen to like one seat, like a CD hear the backwards message and like some kind of satanic, then come over them like I'm just never going to buy into that. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. I don't believe it.
1: I well, the no. fear too was that like all like the back masking and stuff is that okay if you never hear it backwards, you still technically heard it, and it is subliminal now because you were listening to something and didn't even know you were being like affected.
2: Yeah, but that's so ridiculous. Like I just find it absolutely ridiculous. I find it very clever that somebody even thought to come up with that idea. But I think it's like kind of ridiculous overall. But I know that might be easy for me to say now.
1: Well, and you know, I was actually listening to something recently too about how uh, Pentecostalism really took off, and it was not until the early like 1900s when Pentecostalism Pentecostalism is that a word
0: when the Pentecostal
1: movement. <laughs> yeah really like came to be what it did become. um it didn't really start happening till the early 1900s and something else I didn't know about it is that it actually like kicked off in Los Angeles of all places.
2: oh yes, um, I remember hearing about this yeah, yeah, like, which is wild yeah
1: so Pentecostalism really I think shifted towards the end of the was that the 20th century I have to think about it yes, yes, things really shifted where it became much more fear based yes pentecostalism but also like evangelicals as a whole it became so much more fear-based that like you have to protect your soul and save your soul and everything became about the afterlife Mm -hmm. and you know protecting everything about yourself so that you make it to heaven in the afterlife and i think the satanic panic like was really influential on that
2: yes with like all of this satanic panic stuff i mean that's it's own a whole political, social thing that happened in the 80s and then continued on for decades, really, and probably still continues on to this day. And I I will also mention before I ask you this question, like, they talk about it in in the Uncover podcast that, you know, it's easy for us to sit back here now and talk about this. Like, it's like, oh, "Oh, my God, satanic panic. That's so silly. But, like, there's people living in these towns that are still, like, people that are still in jail or in prison, or whatever, and, and people in these times that still believe the things that happen to be true, and then that's, like, a difficult thing to even wrap your head around, because there's still the history there, uh, but my bigger, my, my next question, I guess, for you would be thinking about, like, satanic, satanic panic, um, did you ever grow up, did this, like, kind of lead into things, like, talking about people being demon-possessed, or, like, you know, Satan took over their bodies. Do you feel like any of this sort of conversation came from that movement or... Oh, yeah. I don't
1: know. Yeah. I definitely think so. I mean, I never so we did especially when i lived in key west you know there's a very large homeless population down there and you know some people are homeless by choice some people are homeless because of really horrible life circumstances and some people are homeless because um you know mental illness is extremely real and some of us it really takes down so a lot of the folks in key west um who were really involved in the homeless ministry at our church, uh, really suffered from some serious mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And at that time, especially being in the church in the way that we were, nobody was calling it mental health issues. They were calling it demons. Oh,
2: preach girl.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So somebody would come into the church literally off the streets, you know, Key West is a two by four mile island. It's so tiny. And, you know, somebody would come in off the streets who was homeless and extremely mentally ill. Sometimes there absolutely could be drugs and things like that involved. But, you know, some of that's probably keeping people alive, too. And I remember certain times being ushered out of church because, like, they didn't use the word exorcism because it's, like, such a Catholic word. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that ridiculous? But it's so true. No, Um, yeah. They would not use – they would just talk about, like, casting out demons Yes, and you
2: know what? I've never thought about that. But that is I didn't realize that till you just said that. I only yeah. heard casting out demons. I didn't hear the word
1: exorcism. Right? It's because we're so Pentecostal. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I,
2: the thing is, like, I heard that word because I went to Catholic school because of from previous episodes we talked about, like, because I grew up in South Africa, that was the only English speaking school. So even though I was Pentecostal, I grew up in a Catholic church and heard that. But if I just try to think about my church experience... I definitely yep. only heard casting out demons.
1: Casting out demons, Interesting. yeah. So I don't believe I've ever seen someone demon-possessed uh but i have seen people who were not in their right minds and you know like i said again he- i'm repeating myself uh they <laughs> would say that the person was demon possessed and sometimes they would usher the children out because they didn't want us to see that but i'm also like if you're trying to raise us to believe like you you probably should make me see that
2: yeah yeah that is interesting know.
1: yeah but what about you you've seen some wild stuff where you grew up
2: i did i mean growing up in in South Africa and then other countries in Africa, I saw a lot of interesting and strange things. If you would ask me this question five years ago, I would say I 100% saw people that were demon possessed and things happen that seemingly before my eyes. And now, at, right now, I don't know that I believe That that is a thing, but at the same time, I don't know enough. Like, I I do believe there's like a sort of spiritual realm or world in some form. I or at least I could get behind it, but I mostly would think that people who would be defined as demon possessed definitely have like a mental health issue, and it's easy and convenient to dub that as a demonic possession because, but really, they just need mental help. Um, They need someone to intervene and it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be God or people praying in tongues, trying to cast out a demon from them.
1: So much praying in tongues, Brittany.
2: (laughs) So, but yeah, I saw a lot of crazy things in in Africa, but also like Africa as a continent, um, which, I mean, I can't even speak for the continent because there's so many different cultures there, but I would say South Africa or Southern Africa as a whole, very spiritual, I was going to say nation, but very, yeah, culture, culture, culture. you know, just like the ancestor, the ancestors and just like so many different beliefs and gods and things like that. Um, So it was just full, chock full of things to discover and try to understand the belief system, which makes me feel like maybe ironically, the more that like, let's say you take an African culture and there's so many different gods and beliefs I feel like it all comes down to the fact that people are just viewing things like mental health as some other version of something in their culture. Um, And I'm not saying that's wrong. It's just like how I understand it. Um, It doesn't make, if it's not rational, it doesn't, I I have a hard time understanding and believing it um, personally.
1: And yet that's what's so interesting about that though, is that like switched for us because, you know, someone being demon possessed when I was a child was completely rational to me. Totally. And of course, I was a child. So you can argue that like, oh, my brain wasn't fully formed, which it wasn't. But it also was that was normal.
0: Yeah, that was
1: a normal part of our our culture was to see something like that to believe something like that. So it wasn't irrational for you to see what you saw and be like, oh, yeah, there's totally demon possessed. No big deal. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, totally.
1: It's funny. I was like, I texted my mom earlier today and I brought up, you know, do you remember this going on in Stewart when I was a kid? And do you remember like satanic panic? And I just, you know, my mom when I was born was 36. So just a little bit older than I am right now. And which is wild. Whoa. Um, I never thought about that. I'm like almost the age my mom was when she had me. But she didn't like have a clear memory of that time um, in church. Ter- she had a clear memory of the time, but not of like the satanic panic thing. And I think part of the reason for that is because, especially as Pentecostals, you know, with our dads and families being in the ministry, Brittany, it was part of their job to like fight against evil so like if the rest of the world is finally having a moment where they're acknowledging satan if anything my family was probably looking at that as like a really really good thing and being like oh we're all waking up because it wasn't so much like just like the christian world that is like talking about ritualistic abuse and things like that it was also the secular world that was talking about these things
2: such a good point and i had not thought about it like i hadn't thought about like people who were in the secular world or in the normal world that were not christians starting to buy into this thing and then that being incentive for them to like find the lord or find yeah whatever
1: like they're i mean and i don't know but i'm curious to know uh if there is any data on this but i wonder if like you know, church attendance went up.
2: <laughs> oh, you have to or, believe it did. I mean, we'd, I don't have data, but I would put money yeah. in it.
1: I mean, yeah, maybe. Or what if people, like, in the secular world again, like, I wonder if they were viewing, like, any type of church as a cult. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
2: I feel like it's, but I doubt it, it. It, it seems like we're on a decline from that era of it being, yeah. like, so, like, everyone goes to church on a Sunday, And it being just, like, a part of, you know, I'm not going to make up statistics, but just, like, everybody, it it would be odd if, like, somebody didn't go to some kind of church, you know? It would be, like, you're the one or two out of ten that don't.
1: You want to know something that I decided the other day? You're going back to church? I, (laughs) no. Um, But I was a much nicer, more conscientious person in terms of trying to be nice when I went to church. I
2: totally could understand that. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't yeah. say that's my uh, observation of you, but I can understand how you might think that of yourself because I feel like I could identify with that for sure.
1: Yeah, like I'm not mean to you. No, <laughs> I think
2: there's an awareness of just like a checking in. It's it's honestly yes. what's ironic is it's the very thing I criticized the church about back then is like when we left the kind of bigger charismatic church, it was because it was very, it felt very surfacy and like just kind of like, not in it wasn't giving me like the oh meat and yeah potatoes it was just like all like sicky sweet kind of gospel stuff and so we left looking oh, yeah. for some alternative version um something deeper and now I find myself missing just like that sicky sweet like just tell me
1: how to be a good person stuff because I mean that's always a good message for sure you know what? It is a good message, but you know what it is too? Is it's like, not even tell me how, because I think that's what we got tired of. Is like, we know. Yeah. <laughs> what it is, is it's not even tell me how, it's remind me to. Yeah, oh, totally. Remind me to be. Remind me to be kind. Yeah. <laughs> remind me to be nice. Remind me to be generous. Remind, you know, remind me not to be reactive. So I feel like, wow, I'm having a lot of epiphanies. You're tonight.
2: making me feel like I need to go talk to Curtis and talk about going back to church with the kids kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah.
1: Well, I think it is that thing of like, you know, the idea of a spiritual practice outside of church these days, like when you think of like the Oprah gospel and stuff, which God love me some Oprah. Yeah. Um. But I think it, you know, I think that I lately, I literally Googled the other night, I was trying to find like, I need a really good book that teaches me again, how to just be nice. And I think what it was, Brittany, that we were so over during that time, like, like, when we were leaving that prosperity gospel kind of of church is okay so I could argue that I'm not nice like I used to be that I'm way less nice but we could also argue that I'm way more real now and so maybe back then I was just being super fake
2: sure I I can I mean again I, from my perspective you've never been that way but I can hear what you're saying where it's just it was there was it was very easy to put on the facade because that was like what we all had to yes. do and it drove me nuts where I would go and be like Oh my God. Hi. Welcome to fill in the blank. Like, I'm so happy to be here. And
0: I'd be like, Oh, God is so good. God is so good.
2: Like, please (laughs) just what, you know, tell me something bad about your day, please. Because like, it seems like everything's just going great, you know?
1: So I think, yeah, I think it's that thing of like, you got to figure out like, if you're still in that world, and if you go back to whatever it is, of the balance between being fake, and being real, And then also being nice and being mean. And that's what I'm trying to figure out right now outside of church. But church used to be the thing that made me do that. Yeah.
2: It would be so... And nothing else is really doing that for me. It would be so interesting. I feel like we have to do this as an experiment when we all feel safe to go back out into the world in a normal way. Um, To just go to a couple of these bigger churches. Like just go try it once, once or twice a week and just see how it feels to go back after... It's been, I don't know, what, like six, seven years, more than, I don't know, six years? Beckett was dedicated at that bigger church, so it's about six and a half years.
1: Since going there, you Since mean to? Since going to, to yeah.
2: yeah, to Oasis, but yeah. <laughs> that's fine. We said it in the other podcast, but that's what We did, okay. Um, but yeah, I'd be so interested to see how I take in, or how receptive I am to receive just what my reaction would be to hearing a message, like if I'm still just yeah. super cynical and I'm like, "Cool, cool, cool, cool," I've heard still heard this a hundred times, or if I'll find it. Oh, well, totally. You know.
1: Yeah, maybe we should do that experiment. I mean, I did it two years ago. I went to Hillsong. Oh yeah. In downtown LA, and I was like, yeah, it was so familiar and so foreign. Yeah, it's like seeing it's like seeing an ex lover face to face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know everything about you. I know what you're going to do next. I know how you're going to do it. I can say it in sync with you. And yet you're an appendage that is not on my body anymore. And I don't recognize you. Yeah.
2: I've wondered if I would need to go to something like a church that's, I don't know, like Episcopalian or like Methodist or something that's like, not as charismatic just to get it rid sure. of like the, although I love the music side yeah. of it, but just kind of, I don't know, a different experience.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, okay, I raise you this. This is where I want to go. I have always wanted to go to that church in Hollywood where they filmed Sister Act.
2: Oh, yes. Okay.
1: Let's go yeah, there. Let's I do think it. it's Methodist. I'm down, down. I'm down. Okay, cool. Guys, this church is so freaking cool. It's where they filmed. Part of Sister Act, and it looks like a Gothic castle. It's gorgeous. Wait, it's where? And it's gay. It's gay affirming. You know, it's the church in Hollywood when you come. It is down the one that we of, um, at, like
2: for Hollywood yeah, Bowl. That for is the Hollywood Bowl. Okay, that is funny. You said that because every time I see that church, I'm like, this reminds me of something, and I've never known that that's what it's from. But that makes so much sense.
1: Oh, honey, have I not taken you on a tour of our city?
2: <laughs> I mean, I've been on so. I many, can tell you these. Yeah, things. I was gonna say like, no, I know, but. I have never pointed that out and said that to anybody because I didn't realize that's what it was from. Okay. Good to know.
1: Good to know. Now you never won't tell anyone. You'll always tell them. Sister Act. Let's go there, though. I've always wanted to go there because when I first moved here, it was before gay marriage was legalized, and they always had up their huge, you know... um, rainbow banners yeah. and we're, you know, gay affirming, we stand with you, all those kind of things. And that was back embarrassingly to say, but 10 years ago when I was not yet gay affirming and I was very confused by the whole thing and I was really just mum on the whole issue because I didn't know what I was what was right. Yeah. I didn't know what was right at the time. Yeah. Um and I was very wrong. I had always been taught wrong. So anyway, um I've always wanted to go there. I completely agree with you. I think we should do it.
2: Yeah, I'm I am down. I'm totally down.
1: Yeah. So I do have to ask you, though. So back to Satanic Panic. We really just had, like, a growth moment, I think. I think me.
2: we did, and I'm glad we our did. listeners were here for it because these podcasts, we do plan chunks of them out in terms of, like, let's maybe talk about these topics, but then we also just let it flow, and that was a great moment that I think I will remember for a long time.
1: I know, because I've got to, like, sit down and, like, think on it some more later on my own. Like I agree. Me too. Like, I need a real spiritual practice to, like, I don't know, like, fill in the gaps where church used to um but i do want to know okay so here's the thing with the whole satanic panic thing when it came to the ritual abuse idea which was that children were being (laughs) sexually abused by cults um people worshiping the devil i think what they struggled with then i don't think i know and even now is where do you draw the line between believing children which we must do if they tell you something that is amiss or wrong uh, and ha- having that need for proof because there's multiple reasons. One, children are highly influenceable. They don't have full grown brains. They are wildly imaginative. You know, they may have been asked leading questions. Things can be planted. H- like, what? You're a mom. Yeah. So, like, where do you think? Like, what is your perception on that? Like, do your do you have like a code with your children where you've had like conversations? You know, so they can decipher the difference between what's imaginary and what's real and i don't know do you understand, yeah, what, I I'm totally understand what you're
2: asking i think what's <laughs> hard for me especially hearing these cases is that i do think what i struggled with as a parent is by putting too much in their mind i struggle with then like you have to educate them so they know how to understand uh what's right and what's wrong but also by educating them how much do you educate them on because uh-huh also, if you just think everybody might be out to get you, then they're, they might be think everybody's out to get them. And maybe that's not right. giving them enough benefit of the doubt. But I do think like, I mean, like we've had little conversations or conversations about things like, you know, nobody should be touching your penis, or your vagina, except for you. Or, you know, or if we take you to a doctor, like, especially at this age, like even mom and dad, like, that's something that like if I'm helping you or you need help in the bath, like, you know, we should ask you or like you should feel comfortable. And if anything feel, makes you feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I want you to tell us about it. You will never get in trouble. Just trying to be like affirming of like encouraging conversation, but also, and wanting them to feel empowered. But I also, I, I know I'm going to have moms in here, if you're listening that might disagree with me here, but like, I also don't want to say uh, like, make them think that everybody's a pervert out to get them, you know, and be like, you know, like, let's, let me give you an example. Let's say, I don't even know if I want to say you and Josh, but we'll I'll just use you an example. Cause you're on the podcast with me.
1: Sure. Use me. You can I'll use, use you.
2: Okay. So let's just say I asked you guys to you and Josh, Josh is her boyfriend to watch the kids, watch them over a weekend or something. And they come back. Like, should I be asking them questions? Like, Did did Auntie Tiffany did did she touch you inappropriately? Like that to me is a leading question. Like you don't. I feel like to put things in in their in their uh, like ask the question of did so and so touch you inappropriately makes them then stop and think like well like they you know they hugged me oh like I just I I feel like you have to be very careful in this also. It's a hundred percent dependent on the kid's age my kids are at an age that they're very influenceable right now and I would be very careful about how I word things and I don't, I'm not trying to be, keep them super naive, but I also don't want to just tell make them think that the world, and like everybody is so evil, because really that's not true. Um, Yeah. I want them to believe the good in people and I feel like by doing that, they will know and be able to feel when something is wrong and if I've created a good relationship with them they'll feel comfortable to talk to me when and I'll be asking them questions that are not like hey did Tiffany touch you inappropriately it'll be like hey how'd everything go you know over the you know did anything come up and uh, not even that I, I just it's like yeah. the leading questions part so
1: like do you yeah do you, do you did you have fun yeah. like did you like you know being around them like those are such different questions yeah as opposed to, did this happen? I remember even when I was probably a little too old for the question, but like I was probably 11 or 12 or something. And I remember being asked about someone and them being like, "They, a- yeah, it was leading. Have they ever touched you inappropriately? My immediate response was no because that was what was true. The answer was no. But because of how it was asked, exactly what you described, I remember even now the question will pop up into my head sometimes, that instance in my life, and trying to think harder. Like, oh, is there something I missed? Do I need to think harder about that? And like to this day, and I mean, especially listening to the Uncover podcast, but thinking about it then, I was like, like, what, was there something I missed? I was such a kid. I was so naive. Maybe I didn't know. But the truth is, like, I would have – and not every kid would necessarily, but I would have felt in, you know, in my spirit, my soul, my body, whatever, that there was something inappropriate and wrong. And my gut reaction right away was no. Yeah. And and that that is what was true. Absolutely. They never touched me inappropriately. Nothing. Like, I never yeah. felt uncomfortable. Nothing. Yeah.
2: And I mean, this – this conversation has come up with other mom friends in the past. And like, if somebody wanted me to watch their kids and I knew they were going to question them that way after we watched them, like I wouldn't want to watch their kids because I feel like it's exactly what you're saying. Like, I feel like it's I completely agree that in their mind. Like I, I have a few memories of, of people growing up and I can't remember why I have memories of them this way, but I'm like, it must've been somebody asked it in a certain way. And all it takes is like, one wrong question, but at the same time, like, obviously you want to believe your kid. So like, if you're asking, you know, if my kid came and told me something happened, then obviously I would take it as seriously as possible. And I would investigate it 100%. But I also wouldn't just like take it as it depends on the age of the kid, all of those things, there's got to be some common sense in there. If it was, you know, like, if you listen to the podcast, and some of the things that were being said, to me, common sense would say, like, something does not add up, Why, number one, as a, like, say, three-year-old or five-year-old, would you have the vocabulary to even express the things that you're saying, somebody said this to you to explain something that could have happened to you. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but I would just want to investigate more and, like, kind of try to think, you know, innocent until proven guilty, even though it's really difficult to do that. But also believe the kids and try to uh, advocate for them, but also not just think, you know, that's also what got people in trouble was that like everyone was like well whatever they say goes and that just wasn't the case back then either that led to just like yeah. mass, not incarceration but mass like judicial like cases you know
1: yeah so totally okay well that makes me and I genuinely was like I need to know because I again don't have children I don't know I mean, you always think you know how you would handle something, but like, yeah, it. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, this is like a kind of meaningless anecdote. But on that, I remember um, a good friend when her daughter was like two. Um, she was so sweet. She's like, Tiffany, will you? She needed to go potty, and she really wanted me to take her. Like, mom's there, dad's there, there's people everywhere, but she's like, Tiffany's taking me. It was so cute. I felt very honored. Yeah. And she, I took her. I walked her to the bathroom. Door is wide open, everything. But when she, she's two. When she was done, and this is what she does with her parents. She goes, "Will you wipe me?"
2: Yeah.
1: And. I like paused and I like the door was open and you know if it was like my actual niece or something like sure yeah but the door was open and like the parents were sitting outside and I was like Is, you know I repeated she said can I help wipe her and I asked because they were there and they're like yeah, yeah 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 and I was like okay and it absolutely in that moment because again I know people who ask their children questions has somebody touched you and stuff like that and I was like I it put me on pause immediately yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, instantly. And I hated that I felt that way, but we also live in a world where maybe you have to feel that way. Yeah, no, I, I um, agree. It was so, obviously, completely innocent. And honestly, it was so cute. Yeah. It was so, like, you know, that she saw me on, like, the same um, comfort level that she saw her parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, your family, like, so cool. Axel... To yeah. her, you are an aunt.
2: Like, you are, you know. Right. That's, like, how I feel like our kids are going to grow up because they don't grow up, like, near family. And so, yes, they really are exactly. not blood relative. But, like, to me, you are their aunt. So...
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: totally. So, and again, like, age matters and things like that. Well, sure, sure, yeah. She was too. But anyway, again, it is that thing where you hear stories, and so it just, in that moment, I had that moment of pause of, like, is this, like, of course it's okay, but, like, I need to, like, get clearance over here. But that could be the same,
2: but that's, like, those kind of moments that I wonder that, and yes, yes, things... Here's the thing. I don't want anybody to listen to this and think that, like, I don't think bad things happen to kids. I grew up in South Africa. My parents were in a baby shelter where there were abandoned, abused children. I'm very aware of child abuse and all those things. But you could take that same exact example of what you just said and fast forward 10 years and somebody asked her a question and her look back and go like, huh? Yeah. You know? Or, like, you know, just, like, it's all it right. takes is a moment and it was something very innocent and... Kids, you you put words in their mouth or like you give a suggestion and I have to be so careful about the words that I use because number one, I have a uh, son that calls me out on everything that I say. Um, (laughs) And then a daughter who's like changing and having, I'm having to figure out how to approach things in the right way and not make it, make it comfortable and make it so that she feels comfortable talking about it. And so it's just, it's a, it's a hard topic, but I think in my opinion, I'd much rather talk about it openly, then what I feel like probably happened more back then was that everything was more secretive. I think the you know, the more our society totally. evolves, we've become more and more open about things. Like probably to a degree that there might be somebody listening to this podcast, maybe a family member, maybe somebody from a different generation that might be like, why the hell would you guys talk about any of this stuff or like last podcast why would you tell share something about birth control like that's private wait did somebody say that to you no i'm just i'm just assuming we'll think it but we'll think
1: it yeah, I just yeah. and not to even like harp on the last thing I was just talking about, but like something that occurred to me in that moment, um, with this sweet little human being was what if the family wasn't there, the door wasn't open, I was babysitting? Let's say that yeah. the exact same scenario happens. They come home and they say to her when they come home, "Did Auntie Tiffany touch you?" And her response is, "Yes." Yeah, like. You know what I mean? That is absolutely the stuff of nightmares. and so I—that's really the point that I'm getting at on that is just like I don't know. It's like you know, to what extent? Yeah, like your questions just have to be really well worded. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, in my opinion. So I'll let that go. To that, like
2: she says yes, and then and the thing is like nothing did happen, but then now that's it's planted, and then you're like, yeah, man, like she uh, she's. Two and needed
1: help. Yeah. Like, what do you want yeah. from me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, So anyway, um, I think this is, like, so fascinating. I don't know who all is listening to this, but I'm so curious what your memories are of that time. And whether you were more on, like, the secular side of things where you were, you know, not so much involved in church and you were, like, the people – who might have called it satanic panic or if you were like us growing up in the church and we're like oh no there's just like par for the course satan is real yeah demons are real we're in a fight of good and evil it's like the frank peretti times you know this is this is just real life for us so i'm curious about everyone's experiences because a lot of who i hear talk about this is People like two generations older than us, not even necessarily our parents, but like one under them. Yeah. Yeah. Who I think were like maybe the teenagers in like early 20s of the time. Yeah. And I'm curious more about like the people like us who were little kids and also even like our parents' age. Like my mom didn't really, she was like, I don't really, I don't really recall that. And I think it's because she was so entrenched in the church world. Yeah. So
2: I think we're going to have to do a podcast at some point where. Like, there's so many things that this, even this topic's bringing up things like Jonestown and and all those, these different things that happen that, honestly, I had never heard about until I started listening to, like, a shit ton of podcasts. And I would love it if I got my parents' permission, but even, like, to make a list of things that I had never heard about and then go ask them just, like, like what their perspective was or, like, what, you know, because even, like, media back when they would have been our age looked very different and just, like, what like based on nothing if you just ask them point blank like what was this what does this mean to you and then kind of yeah. like be able to kind of compare it to it's what your you're hearing you know or being retold yeah or even have some facts
1: do you remember hail bop hail bop yeah it was the comet i would have been 10 so you would have been like 11 it was such a big deal and i remember i remember living through that
2: i at, at that time would have similar... been in south africa not to keep using yeah. that as an excuse but like i don't remember that
1: no just not having like access to the news well it was like everywhere and there was a cult that committed mass suicide during hail bop too oh really is there a
2: podcast about this because I
1: feel like there needs to be if
2: there's not
1: (laughs) there has to be yeah there has to be a podcast about hail bop um but yeah I just remember it so well I remember it being like this is coming these this cult was like this is what we have to do blah 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 and like they just like all off themselves all at once oh my gosh
2: Okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that.
1: Yeah, and that's our lifetime.
2: I feel like this is this sounds vaguely familiar about like a mass suicide, but I don't. Yeah, they were called. Yeah,
1: Heaven's Gate. What's better than that?
2: Heaven's Gate. Well, I've heard of that, so maybe I just didn't understand the association with that.
1: Well, I mean, also there was Heaven's Gate, Hell's Flames, the uh, amazing musical. Yes, we touched on at the beginning. but I have heard
2: of Heaven's <laughs> the, uh, that. Yeah, yeah, Heaven's Gate. Yeah, so interesting.
1: Yeah, so wild
2: man
1: anyway I know (laughs) uh that was fun yeah
2: I feel like you know if you're a little confused by all of this because like it was all over the place that's about how the satanic panic was so you you know it took (laughs) you on a little journey Um, so
1: we nailed it and we're not here trying to be all like this is not a linear podcast if you're looking for linear go somewhere else yeah we're over here we're like an absolute knot yes we're a knot that you need your best like we're a knot in a gold necklace that you need your best friend to untangle for you
2: (laughs) yes you gotta rub it just a little bit and just keep working it you just work it and
1: work it (laughs) that is what we are we offer nothing less
2: I feel like that's a TikTok. I keep using making TikTok references but like that's got to be like somebody working out one of those gold necklace chains with some kind of like work 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 has got to be oh, a that's thing. that's funny. I don't know.
1: You should do that.
2: Yeah. I thought about it the other night. I was driving and needed to get out and so I just like drove with the top down around. It went nowhere but I listened to like Linkin Park in the end and then like Slim Shady, and then like Stand by Eminem, and I was just like, live. I was just loving it, and, and but then Amazing. in that moment, I was like, this is when people make a TikTok because I look like this dumbass mid thirties. I know I'm not mid thirties yet, but I'm about to be. <laughs> just
1: right.
2: enjoying life. And
1: it's fine. It's so funny because I think I listened to the exact same playlist in 2003, except I was in my periwinkle Dodge Neon. <laughs> <laughs> Living life. <laughs> A 1996 Dodge Neon that when I bought it, I paid $1,700 cash for it. And when I bought it uh, from day one, the gas uh, gauge never worked. Oh, Really?
2: <laughs> Ooh, living yeah, on so the I wild ran out of side. gas all the time.
1: I ran out of gas all the time and I had that car long enough that I had multiple boyfriends on call to come like fill up my tank when I ran out of gas because <laughs> I didn't know how much I had. <laughs> That's
2: amazing. I have never run out of gas in my life. Whoa. You think you
1: special? <laughs> I
2: mean my gas gauge has always worked. I mean I've, I've pushed it <laughs> to the bone but.
1: Is that all it takes? Yeah
2: I mean in college I lived on the like you just barely are between empty and quarter tank because I had twenty seven dollars sure. in my account at all times. But um, yeah, now now my gas tank is full all the time because we don't go anywhere. So what
1: you think? You special? <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm Tiffany, and I am Brittany,
2: and we'll see you in two weeks with some kind of great topic for you.
1: We will talk to you then.
2: Okay. Till next time. Toodles. Bye.